morning. So good to see so many faces this morning. Today's a fun day. We're starting, uh, officially starting a series that will be going on over this week and the, the next four weeks. It's actually a six-week-long series. We started last week kind of looking through the framework of it, and this week we are starting in the first commitment that we made. We, we started a series called Next Steps, and if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, go to our Facebook page, go to our website. Um, we have a YouTube channel, find it there, and find last week's message. Um, and it was all entitled, Next Steps, Walking in Faith. And the idea behind it was we're going to take the next six weeks, and it's going to be kind of broken up into three different elements, but that all of us have a next step in some way. Whether we're a brand new Christian, whether we're just considering Christianity, or even if we've been a Christian for 50 years or more, you've got a next step to take in your faith. And our, our desire is that we're going to figure out how we can take that together. And so it starts with these Sunday morning messages, which we'll be doing over the next five weeks. But it also has, I hope you engaged with this this week, we did a Facebook Live devotional that was also on our YouTube channel um, that, that happens on Thursday mornings. Um, got a lot of good response from that, and I hope that that will continue to pick up. Um, and if you watch that this week, then I made a challenge to you, and, and I've gotten a lot of emails and calls about that, and I'm glad. I got you to think, I asked you, I said, what, what is your favorite element of worship, and what is your least favorite element of worship? I hope you thought about that a little bit, maybe jotted it down and brought it with you, because today we're going to kind of dive into that. Our topic is next steps, I commit to uniting in corporate worship. If you were here last week, I gave you five commitments that I said, if you will take baby steps in all five of these areas, your faith will grow by the end of these six weeks and will continue to grow after that. And the first one was, I commit to uniting together in corporate worship. Then we, we have the, the Sunday morning messages, we've got the Facebook Live devotionals, and then yesterday, if you're on our email list, you got an email asking you to consider a verse in Ecclesiastes that, that King Solomon wrote that we're going to look at this morning. If you're not in our email list and would like to get those, come find one of the elders, one of the deacons, come find me, and we'll get you hooked up with that. I want to look, our theme verse for this is James chapter 2. In verse 17, a verse that by the end of this you'll probably be able to recite. It's a short verse. But it says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. We talked about this a little bit in our Facebook Live devotional. But we understand that faith alone, that works, is not going to get us into heaven. We can't work our way. We can't earn our way into heaven. But God is saying, listen, I'm, I'm offering you through grace and through mercy entrance here into heaven, but I want you to take the faith that you have, and when you've got an opportunity on earth to use that faith for the, for the furtherance of my kingdom, I want you to do that. I want you to go bring more people to me so that they can know the love that I already have for them. Action is required. Christianity is not a passive faith by any means. In fact, it's, it's, it's asked of us to be bold, to, to go out and to tell others what we know and what we believe. This is the verse that I ask you to look at in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 if you are on our email list. Ecclesiastes 12, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll give you a little bit of background if you've never really read through this. King Solomon, who, whoa, I'm tripped there. Um, King Solomon was the son of David. This was David and the Goliath, same guy had a son named Solomon, and Solomon was, was an incredible king, was king for about 40 years, and through this time, he, he kind of ebbed and flowed in his faith, and at one point, God said, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you ask, 
And Solomon, early on in his life, said, God, I would like an extra measure of your wisdom. And through that became what we believe to be the most wise man that ever lived. He got a, a supernatural uh, gift of wisdom. And through that, amassed an incredible empire. It, we look in the book of uh, Second Chronicles, back in the Old Testament, we read about Solomon, who through his life kind of had ups and downs in his faith, but ultimately was trying to answer the question, what am I supposed to do? As an individual, why am I on earth? What, what's my purpose? And through his life spent tons of money and time and resources. Um, Solomon, when he uh, ultimately quit becoming king and towards the end of his life, was worth something in the ballpark of $2 trillion with a T. Um, if we look in Chronicles, it tells us that every year for 40 years, all of the surrounding kingdoms brought him 25 tons of gold. And that's not including all of his businesses and things like this. Solomon was the most wealthy man that has ever lived and probably ever will live. The next closest is, is off by at least a trillion dollars plus. Um, he had all the money in the world. He had all the power in the world. Everybody knew who he was. So if there was ever a man that really had every resource available to figure out why are we here on earth, it's King Solomon. He spent his whole life doing this. And so then he was writing the book of Ecclesiastes, which is essentially all the little nuggets of wisdom that God has given him throughout his life and through the journey of finding what, is, what it means to be human and to be on this earth and what is your purpose. That all is included in Ecclesiastes. And here in verse 13, it kind of starts to wrap this idea up. And I want you to think about this. I asked you in the email, I said, have you ever connected the idea of honoring God, worshiping God, and your daily purpose in life? Look what he says here in Ecclesiastes 13. It says, now all that has been heard, he's saying through my entire life, he's an old man at this point, through my entire life, all that has been heard, here is the conclusion that I've come to of this matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. He spent unknown amounts of money, but he had all the money almost in the world. He had power, he had fame, nobody would tell Solomon no, and he tried everything. He tried going the, earth, the world's way, because there were times where he was way low in his faith. He, and he tried God's way, and he figured out this is the way it is. It is the duty of mankind to worship God, to obey his commands. That is our purpose for being here. We look in Psalms chapter 100, it says, Worship the Lord with gladness, come before him. With joyful songs, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made all of us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That's what we are here for. So when we talk about uniting in corporate worship, it goes much bigger than we just want to be here because we like each other's company. That's part of it. We're going to look at fellowship in this morning. But I want you to start at the beginning realizing that, that Solomon at the end of his life, the wisest man that ever lived, said the duty of people, of mankind, of you and me, is to obey God, honor him, and through that worship him and love God the way that we can. What does it mean to unite in corporate worship? I've had a few emails about this, and I'm glad that you're thinking inquisitively. What does it mean to gather in corporate? All corporate worship means is that all of us individually have said, I am uniting together with each other for the benefit of me and for you, and we're going to join together to do one activity together. 
and that activity is worshiping God, and we're going to look at what all that means. It means we're going to we're going to kind of pause our individual spiritual lives, and we're going to join united to do it together. We're going to pray together. We're going to sing together. We're going to worship together. Uniting in corporate worship is so much bigger than just us individually. We're going to look at the elements of worship, and we're going to kind of go through these quickly and look at why do we do what we do. If you're new here, I hope that you know that we we don't pick these things just out of thin air. We're looking through the Bible and seeing what does God ask of us on a Sunday? What does he want us to do as we come together? We sing. And I want you to begin to think, if you were watching our devotional, and you begin to think about what are your favorites. My guess is that they're going to be on this list, and I want you to think back, why do I love them? And the things that you don't like, why don't I love them? We're going to come back to that in a moment. Singing. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, as you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Singing is so much more than, than just uh, something that we do. And we, and we see here that it has absolutely no bearing on whether we sound good or not. It's something that is stemming from our hearts. It's saying, I'm going to worship God through my voice, and I'm going to let him know how happy and how glad I am to be a Christian. Ephesians chapter nine and, or verse five, Ephesians 5 and verse 19 So speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. It doesn't matter. We're not singing for each other. We're not singing for the people down the pew. We're singing to God. The best way I can tell you to think about this, and I pray this prayer every Sunday, and I encourage you to do the same. I say, God, we are here to worship. We have an audience of one, and that's you. We're not worshiping, we are doing it together, but we are doing it communally, but also directed towards God. Where we're saying, God, I'm going to offer you my personal worship, and I'm going to do this with the people that I love that's part of my church family. But it's still a relationship that you have with God on a personal level. Singing is part of this. We pray. We, we come together in prayer. It's something that we individually have, but now we're saying, I'm going to unite and I'm going to pray with others. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That is one of the responsibilities, one of the privileges of us coming together is we are going to pray to God together. We're going to unload the burdens that we have. It's the reason that we put things in the bulletin. We do announcements. We're saying, I'm coming as an individual, and I've got these things on my heart, and I want you as my family to go to God personally and and petition for these things or thank Him for these things or whatever it might be. The church is to continually pray together. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting verse 16 it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Prayer is part of God's plan for you individually. And he says, I want you to join together because he's, all of us individually have this responsibility and this privilege. And he says, I want you to join together and you all have the same purpose. And when you come together, it's that much more powerful. Pray continually. 
communion, Lord's Supper. We just partook of this this morning in Mark 14, starting in verse 22. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. We do this element of worship because Jesus, when he was here on this earth, did it. He gave us this example and he said, every first day of the week, I want you to do this. I want you to break bread, which symbolizes my body. I want you to drink this cup, which symbolizes my blood. Now remember, when he instituted this, he was on the way to being crucified. He knew what was coming. And he says, I'm not going to do it again until the day that I come and we do it together in my Father's kingdom. It's something that is so much bigger than than we just take of the bread and, and drink of the cup. That's the earthly thing that we do, but it symbolizes the death of Christ. And it's something that we're to do every single week. We give. In 1 Corinthians 16, we looked at this a moment ago. It says, now about the collection for the Lord's church, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. This is Paul talking. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. He's saying, this is part of what I want you to do as Christians. God's saying, I've blessed you tremendously. I've given you so much. And he says, I want you out of the love of your heart, out of the the kindness, the giving of your heart, I want you to set aside a portion of what I've given you. I've given you the talents. I've given you the abilities to get the jobs that you have. I've given you the opportunities. And all I'm asking is a small portion. It's not because God needs needs it. God wants it for us. He wants us to get the joy that comes with giving back to his church. And he says on the first day of the week, this is part of what I want you to do. We look at the message, we look at preaching, we do this every week. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. He's saying individually is great, but when you come together, it's something more powerful. When you come together and study God's word as a group, it changes things. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, teaching, preaching. And then lastly, fellowship. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up just as you're doing. My guess is that quite a few of you wrote down your favorite element of worship is fellowship. You love coming together with your church family. It's okay, and I'm glad because it's scriptural. We're supposed to do this. I commit to uniting in corporate worship. This is part of it. I'm committing to unite together not just for this. I'm doing it because I know that all of these other elements of worship are part of me being a Christian. But I'm coming to unite together. Hebrews 10 and verse 25, it says, Don't forsake meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't forsake meeting. He says, come together. Encourage one another. Bless one another. That is the point. We're looking at uniting in corporate worship. It's scriptural. We look through it. But what if I told you that worship was bigger than this? 
What if I told you that what we consider the elements of worship is not the full picture? I want you to look with me in, in, a, in a section of scripture here, and I want you to read this. This is something I came across earlier this week as I was studying. This is not original to me, but I love this. I want you to consider what this says. It says, true worship begins with a love of God, a frame of heart, an attitude. This must be fixed in your mind first. An act of worship is an act proceeding from or the result of that attitude. What if we began to think about the idea of worship as corporate worship is phenomenal, it's scriptural, but what if we could take it a step further and look and see that God really intends for us to worship Monday through Sunday? That, that, that our life is supposed to be worship to God. True worship is saying, God, you are my first priority, and everything that comes after this is going to be a result of my love and my devotion to you. Look in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. This is one of the most incredible sections of Scripture. In fact, this is someone came to Jesus and said, what is the most important? King Solomon tried to answer this back in the Old Testament, and he says, honor God, worship God, love God. And what does Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then in the next verse, he'll go on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing greater than either of these. But I want to use Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 as a framework for what I think Solomon was saying back in Ecclesiastes and what Jesus himself is saying in Mark chapter 12. There's no commandment greater than loving God with everything that we have. We look through scripture and see countless times that loving God means doing what he asks and committing our life to him. If worship really did only involve what we do here on Sunday, the, the life of a Christian would be bare. But he says, no, 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 I want you to worship me Monday through Sunday. And I want you to do it in your everyday life. And so I'm going to look here, and we're going to look at three ways that using this verse, how to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with your mind and with your strength. And if we're willing to do this, our idea of worship is going to change dramatically. I commit to expressing my love and affection towards God with all your heart, with all your soul. I commit to expressing my love and affection for God. 1 Samuel 16, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. God doesn't value what you and I value. People look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. God wants our heart and he wants our love. He wants our affection and he wants us to show it. This is part of, God, I love you with all my heart and with all my soul. We express that to God. John 4 and verse 23, it says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God doesn't want things to be done just because we're going through a routine, we're going through the motions he says, I want you to unite together in corporate worship, but Monday through Saturday, I want you to worship me in the way that you live. I want you to want to unite together in corporate worship because of your daily worship. 
I want you to unite together in corporate worship so that you can take your daily worship and elevate it to a whole new level because now you're with other Christians that are hopefully doing the exact same thing. I commit to showing my love and affection to God. I commit to focus my attention on God with all my mind. I love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Now we're going to love the Lord with our minds, focusing our attention on Him. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God doesn't want just a portion of our focus. God doesn't want a portion of our love, a portion of our dedication. He says, I want the whole thing. And if you're willing to give me the whole thing, you're going to find me. And what you ask of me, I'll give you, and I'm going to bless you accordingly. But he says, I want your attention. I want your mind. I want your focus. I commit to giving you my love. I commit to giving God my mind. I commit to worshiping God with my abilities, all my strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, all your mind, and now all of my strength. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. It means that when we're driving to work on Monday morning, we're not just going to work to earn money to feed our family. We're going to be a shining light in in a community, in an area, in a business that we're now going to do it as a way to worship God. Our example to others is our worship to God in the workplace. When we're driving home and we commit to prayer time with God, that is an element of worship that happens Monday through Sunday. It certainly doesn't have to be in these walls to worship God. Maybe you're like me and there's times you just feel like singing and and you begin to sing. That is an element of worship. It says whatever you do, whatever you're involved with, commit your life to God. You're not doing it for human masters. You're doing it for spiritual ones. You're doing it for God. Corporate worship is an expression of our daily worship to God. I hope you, if you take nothing else away, I hope that you write this down. I hope you commit this to your heart and your mind and that you pray on this. I commit, I commit to uniting in corporate worship. I hope that you make that commitment. I hope you bring people with you to unite together in corporate worship, but it doesn't stop there. God's saying, listen, if you want the true blessings of being a Christian, I want you to worship me in your daily life Monday through Saturday. And then when the first day of the week comes, I want you to take the sum total of that worship and I want you to unite together in corporate worship where all of us take the the daily things that we've been doing and we elevate them to God into a whole nother level because now we're uniting with a hundred plus other people that believe what we believe, that love God the way that we love God. Corporate worship is an incredible thing, but it starts at home. Corporate worship does not begin when you walk in these doors. It shouldn't. Corporate worship is just an expression of what you've been doing Monday through Saturday. If we come here and and we feel like I'm not engaged with the worship, I'm not getting anything out of it, I would ask you to look what's happening Monday through Saturday. Are you engaging with God the way that you should be? Are you praying to God? Are you worshiping God? Because if not, then Sunday you're going to have a hard time engaging with Him the way that He wants. Because he doesn't just want you one day a week. He wants you seven days a week, 24-7. Any time that we can offer to him is what he wants from us. I commit 
to uniting in corporate worship. If you engage with us on those Facebook Live devotionals, my prayer is that looking through these, that you've seen the things that you love the most, you know why we do them scripturally. I hope that you continue to love that. that those re, it reaffirms in your mind, I love communion, I love singing, I love preaching, I love whatever it might be. But then I want you to look at the things that you like the least. And I hope that you see now that the things that we like the least, even though it's okay, we're allowed to have preferences and things, but God says, I still want you to commit yourself to those. If singing is your least favorite, that's okay. But God says, I still want you to sing. If, if, if the Lord's Supper, if you have a hard time getting to where you need to be mentally, I'd encourage you Monday through Saturday to engage in your prayer life and say, God, help build in me a love and an attitude towards the Lord's Supper to help me engage with that more. I commit to uniting together in corporate worship, but realizing that worship is so much bigger than just Sunday. It's an expression of our daily worship to God. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of His, I pray that you would make that choice. Week number five, the very last week of this series, we're going to look at I commit to surrendering my life to Christ. We gained a sister in Christ last week that took that on in baptism and, and committed Jesus as her Lord and Savior. We pray that you would consider doing that this morning. That you would gain and reap the blessings that come of being a Christian, joining a church family, and, and getting the support and the love that comes from that. But if you are already a Christian, there's something in your life that's not what it should be. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're struggling with committing to being in corporate worship. Maybe there's something in your personal worship, your daily worship to God, that isn't what it should be and you need the prayers and the support of this group. We'd love to offer that to you. If you have any need this morning, would you come let us know about it as we stand and as we sing?